Section sixteen of Trees Every Child Should Know by Julia Rogers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Tree Studies in the Summer. Trees with the Largest Flowers. If we set out to find the trees that have the largest flowers, meaning to count only trees that grow wild in our woods, it will save time to go straight south into North Carolina and climb the foothills of the Allegheny Mountains or it may be that in the fertile valleys that lie between the low ridges we shall first come upon a magnolia called the large-leaved cucumber tree anywhere from north carolina to florida and west to arkansas these remarkable trees are likely to be found in small groups in cultivation they are successfully planted as far north as boston before the tree has attained more than a man's height it is a wonder on account of the leaves which measure more than a foot in length and have their long green blades lined with white in June the flowers open, great white bowls made of waxen petals, in a double row, the inner ones painted purple at the bases, giving the flower a purple center. The wind blows the leaves about, and tears them into rags, unless the tree is in a sheltered place. The silvery leaf linings, as white as the blossoms, make it difficult to see that the tree is in bloom until one is close enough to see the petals. If the leaves were green on both sides, the great blossoms, as large as a man's head, would be seen afar off. The tree would look like a giant rose-bush. From Pennsylvania southward to the Gulf of Mexico, and west to Arkansas and Texas, the evergreen magnolia grows on stream borders, and even on uplands, where the soil is not very moist. When this pyramid of shining green leaves lights all its wax and tapers, it is a sight worth a day's journey to see. Each stiff twig is bent upward and there a bud appears in spring. A few at a time the flowers open, and the blooming time lasts till August. Each blossom is a deep, creamy cup made of six wax-like petals, surrounded by three white sepals. Inside are many stamens, purple at the base, and a cone of pistils all grown together. The leaves are oblong or oval, often eight inches long, thick, deep green, and bright as if polished on the upper surface. The lining is dull green, sometimes covered with rusty down. The paler green and the brighter polish on the young leaves add much beauty to the tree in summer. In winter the leaves get grimy and the treetop is somber, for most of the foliage has seen much wear and tear. In autumn the ends of the twigs hold up green cones, made of many furry capsules that end in curved horns. Each capsule splits when ripe and a scarlet seed, like a berry, hangs out on an elastic thread, and swings lower and lower until finally it is carried away. Thus the magnolia sows its seed in winter. The shining leaves of this magnolia come north at the Christmas season, and are used to decorate homes and churches. Holly, mistletoe, palm leaves, and the beautiful southern smilax are other Christmas greens now commonly in use. They are all gathered with magnolia and shoots of the long-leaf pine, in woods down south. The swamp bay is a magnolia that grows as a shrub to New England, keeping to the swampy lands that skirt the Atlantic coast. Each spring the fragrant, creamy blossoms are to be bought from the street Arabs in New York and Philadelphia. A single globular flower is surrounded by a whorl of oval leaves, bright green but lined with a white powdery substance that makes them look silver-lined. The flowers are deliciously fragrant, and most beautiful when not spread wide open. The seller often takes the trouble to spring the petals back, to make the blossoms seem bigger. The waxy petals turn brown soon after such handling, and all their natural beauty departs. 
from florida westward to texas this magnolia becomes a slender tall evergreen tree the best flowers of this tree are borne on shoots that are produced by pruning back the new growth each year the largest leaves and flowers are also the handsomest the cucumber tree is the magnolia of the north it is a fine tree in ontario canada and from this region it spreads south its range widening like a fan reaching from arkansas to the carolinas and mississippi and alabama the tropical appearance of the tree is due to the big heart-shaped leaves their tulip-like flowers are as large as garden tulips but they make scarcely any show because they are very much the same in color as the yellowish-green new leaves that surround them the cucumbers are the green cones that contain the seeds they are very lumpy and irregular in form but when ripe the cells split open and the scarlet seed let down on an elastic thread from each looks like any magnolia seed cucumber wood is soft yellowish-brown and close-grained it is not very good lumber though put to many uses the tree is worth more alive than dead it is an admirable shade tree though not planted as much as it deserves the tulip tree is a close relative of the magnolias it is one of the trees with large flowers though like the cucumber tree the color of the flowers makes them rather inconspicuous in june the upturned twigs blossom with yellow tulips the three sepals flare outward the petals form the cup a band of orange decorates the cup and signals the bees which come for nectar hidden near the bottom of the flower cup among the bases of the many stamens many people see the gay petals of the tulip tree flowers when they fall on the sidewalk and some wonder what these bits of color are a few will say there must be a tulip tree nearby and look up to find the singular square leaf blades that belong to no other tree there's a whole treetop fluttering with them and this tremendous motion explains why the tree is often called the tulip poplar the yellow wood gives the name yellow poplar pulp of this wood is used for the manufacture of the ordinary postal cards it has many other uses and is a valuable lumber tree for shade and ornament it is one of the best trees to plant the cones of the tulip tree do not set free their seeds as those of the magnolias do instead of horned capsules the cone has flat overlapping blades like the wing of a maple seed and the small closed seed case is the base of the blade a few of these seeds are fully developed but when the winter strips the tree of its leaves the wind shakes the cones and the loosened scales gradually fall the wind catches the flat wings and away they sail little tulip trees grow up where good seeds fall in favorable ground one day a neighbor told me that there was a tree in blossom on the side of the ravine this was a strange story for it was dead in the winter we went to see this wonderful tree what do you think it was a tulip tree with the seed cones half stripped of their seeds and shining yellow flowers on the ends of the twigs it was not strange at all that a person who did not know the tree and had never seen its cones in midwinter should make this very mistake the flowering dogwood invites us every spring to break off branches covered with big white blossoms each like a four-pointed star with a cluster of small white buds in the center the trees are small and low branching their limbs are flat and they spread outward and slightly downward who can resist cutting a few of the blossoming boughs of this lovely tree the best part is that the tree suffers not at all if the pruning is done with some care take thought for the tree cut the branches clean with a knife take them off where they are thick and you will leave the tree better in shape than when you came do not strip it of flowers this will cripple it a few sprays of dogwood 
prettily arranged in a vase, are a delight to the eye. A crowded mess of them is not at all. The four outer wings of white are not the petals of a dogwood blossom. They are colorless leaves, the full-grown scales of the winter flower buds. The notch at the tip of them is made by the falling off of the withered tip, which in winter protected the flowers. The base grew long and broad, and turned gradually white. The bees see these white banners farther, perhaps, than they can catch the faint perfume. Watch the bee as she probes the middle flowers for nectar. See the pollen on her hairy body. From one to another she is the pollen distributor of these flowers, and she doesn't know it. Trees Most Showy in Bloom Sometimes a tree with very small flowers has such a multitude of them that it attracts more attention and admiration when in blossom than the trees with the largest flowers. A magnolia blossom as large as a cabbage head must sacrifice delicacy to size. We must see it at a distance to overlook its coarseness and to escape its overpowering perfume. An orchard in early May is transformed into fairyland by the opening of millions of buds. Apple trees have just begun to unfold the new leaves. They are pale green and coated with white hairs, so that a silvery cloud rests on the tree when the white blossoms, warmed with a tinge of pink, come with a rush that takes one's breath away. A single apple blossom has its five flaring petals inside of five green sepals that are the bud's green overcoat. The stamens are many, the pistils five in the center of the flower. The plan of the flower is five. The green lump below the blossom is the apple, already forming. Inside it are the five cells of the core, and each has its seeds already forming. If the five pistils have each caught a grain of pollen for each of the embryo seeds, its chamber of the core contained. The delicate color and rich fragrance of the apple orchard are enchanting. To the honey-bees, these two signals call to a feast of nectar. All unknown to them, they carry pollen away on their furry bodies from flower to flower, and thus enable the pistils to set seed. If the days are damp, and there are frequent showers while the apple trees are in bloom, the bees are kept at home, and there will be but a small crop of apples. Fortunately for the bees and for us, the blossoms do not all come out on the same day. The trees and the bees are hopeful, till the last moment that the sun will shine, and the nectar be gathered before the opportunity of the year passes. Flowers much like apple blossoms in form cover the twigs of hawthorn trees. They are usually in many flowered clusters, set off by the green leaves. Fragrance, sometimes sickeningly sweet, draws the bees and other insects to these trees. Nectar drips from the blossoms of some species. The thorny branches spread sidewise, holding the blossoms out in wide platforms. The red fruits, called haws, adorn the trees in late summer. Plum and cherry trees are laden with white bloom and heavy with fragrance. Some species haven't a leaf when they bloom, and these are among the showiest of blossoming trees. In these flowers there are single pistils, and but a single grain of pollen is needed to set seed. The single seed is in the pit, or stone, of this family known as the trees with stone fruits. Trees that bloom in midsummer. In the spring the big chestnut tree is late in putting out its leaves. It is May before the bare limbs are clothed with green. This crown is made of long, pointed leaves, each short-stemmed, strongly ribbed, with parallel veins on each side of the mid-rib, polished and sharp-toothed along its margin. It is a superb dome of unusually handsome leaves. When the flower procession is long past, and the grain fields have turned yellow, and the mower and reaper are humming busily, 
the chestnut's crown turns from green to gold as if to harmonize with the landscape of midsummer each twig ends in a feathery yellow plume which waves in the breeze and sheds its yellow pollen abroad the fertile flowers are at the base of the plume as the yellow pollen flowers fade the green scaly ones below them are swelling they are the young chestnuts the long tongue each held out to catch pollen when it was ready for use each flower has three nuts as its full quota to form failure to be pollinated may cause one of the three to fail the husk will then contain two nuts in may the yellow locust trees still stand along the roadsides or herded together along the banks of streams bare and ugly while the trees around them are beautifully clothed with their green garments and adorned with blossoms the dead pods still cling to the locusts branches and not even the buds are in sight to prove the twigs alive suddenly the trees wake push out their hidden buds into shoots which unfold leaves made of tiny leaflets the leafy spray is light and graceful pale green with a silvery sheen at first soon the leaves are inundated with a flood of white blossoms fragrant with their nectar which hang in clusters from each twig the bees see the white cloud on the locust tree and hurry to the feast each curious pea-like flower has a honey pod in its horned petal throughout the summer the locust trees wave their fern-like leaves among which the young pods swing rosy and green and velvety soft two thorns at the base of each leaf are there but they are not conspicuous unless you grasp a limb then they will let you know where they are and what they can do on a summer evening we shall see the locust has closed its leaves folding the opposite leaflets together and the whole leaf drooping from its stem it reminds us of the old-fashioned sensitive plant whose leaves resembled these folded its leaflets and drooped whenever it was touched indeed the locust tree and these plants are near relatives the locust trees are sensitive to the evening air they close if a rain comes up but open when the sun comes out again and the sky clears locust trees have an insect enemy which bores into the solid wood and ruins it for lumber even the twigs are swollen and distorted by these insects which feed upon the rich sap that should go to feed the tree it is impossible to reach this enemy with poison so the trees are helpless except for this unfortunate fact locusts would be a profitable crop to raise for timber locust wood is very hard durable and strong it is slow to decay when in water so it is valuable for fence posts and for boat building it is used for hubs and spokes of wagon wheels and is an excellent fuel the locust timber that reaches market comes from the mountain slopes where the locust borer is thus far unknown the range of the tree is all over the eastern states and west to the rocky mountains we shall not find them south of the latitude of tennessee the catalpa's great heart-shaped leaves as broad as a man's hat come out in may but the leafy shoots grow a foot or more in length and it is well along towards independence day before the flower buds show streaks of white above the foliage mass the upturned twigs end in a spike of blossoms creamy in color but speckled within their wide throats with purple and yellow the rim of the flower cup is daintily scalloped and frilled and the treetop is even more showy than the horse chestnut a month earlier there is a stateliness even stiffness in the figure of a blossoming horse chestnut a pyramid of green holding up a thousand pyramids of white the catalpa has a round head and the loose flower clusters are quite informal in their arrangement the flowers nod gracefully on their stems a thing the horse chestnut flowers are unable to do 
why are the dots of color sprinkled in the throat of the flower why are they arranged in lines that lead to the nectar sac to guide the bees which come in swarms in answer to the signal of color and fragrance the flowers fling out as lures to them the two stamens are ripe before the pistil the bee rubs the pollen off by crowding into the flower some of this dust is bound to be rubbed off on the ripe stigma of an older blossom visited by this bee thus unconsciously the bee helps the tree to set good seed of these we will study when we come to the tree again in autumn only a hint of the seed vessel is given by looking at the oldest flower in a cluster and noticing the green part at the base the linden or basswood holds its arms out so that the broad leaves are exposed to the sun in slanting strata or platforms of shade that strike downward the tree's frame is roofed in with them in an almost unbroken thatch of green cattle love to crop this foliage and to enjoy the dense shade on a hot day in july the dark green is illuminated by thousands of starry white blossoms a few at the end of a slender stem that rises out of a pale green leaf-like blade there is nothing like it born on any other tree the news that the basswoods are in bloom reaches the hives in good time one is able to hear the murmur of bees as far as he can see the flowers but the fragrance travels much farther basswood honey is higher in price than other kinds is this the reason that bees are so hard at work small as the individual flowers are they have an unusual supply of nectar and the bees revel in the plenty of what will feed them and yield wax they make honey while the sun shines counting the basswoods their best source of the crude materials for honey-making it was so in the days of old greek poets sang of the honey-laden lindens honey made from linden trees in the lithuanian forests was carried to rome where it sold for three times the price of ordinary honey bees swarm and the new colony often takes to the woods and sets up housekeeping in a hollow tree this is so likely in the southern states to be a linden that bee tree is a familiar name of this tree end of section sixteen